Hello, you guys. Happy Wednesday. How are we doing today? I hope you guys have had a great, great week. I hope you're staying safe. I hope everything is going good. And if you're having a bad week, good news is it's halfway over. And hopefully I can make it a little better today if you're not having a good one with this case. I feel like true crime cases always put me in a good mood, as weird as that may sound, but listening to true crime podcasts and videos, it always just brightens my mood. So hopefully I am able to do the same for you if you're not really feeling it this week. So as you guys can tell by the title of today's episode, today we are talking about the disappearance of 19-year-old Brianne Wolgram. This is one of those cases that is full of frustration due to the lack of information that is out there on this case. This is one of those where we'll get to the end of it and you'll be sitting there thinking, that's it? That's all we have? But the only way to get more exposure on cases like that is by spreading awareness, so hopefully more information will be brought to light and it'll keep Brianne's story alive. So I'm very interested to see what theories you guys will come up with for this one. You guys can always send in your theories, case suggestions, comments, questions, anything of that sort to my podcast email, which is just killerinstinctpodcast at gmail.com. Again, just killerinstinctpodcast at gmail.com. And I love going through your guys' case suggestions and theories on there. So definitely keep sending them in and we'll go over your theories on this week's case next week. So let's talk about Brianne. Brianne went missing on September 5th, 1998 in Revelstoke, British Columbia. Brianne was born on March 25th, 1979. She had light brown curly hair that stopped at about her shoulders. She has blue eyes as well as a birthmark on the back of her right leg. Brianne was last seen wearing blue jeans, a white t-shirt, and black sandals. Brianne is described as a soft-spoken person who was kind to everyone, and she was also a very, very hard worker. Brianne was very determined to anything she set her mind to, and she was very dedicated. At the time of her disappearance, Brianne was working two different jobs. She had a part-time job at a local McDonald's, as well as a full-time job at a gas station called Old Frontiers Super Save, which was located along Trans-Canada Highway in Revelstoke. Now, Revelstoke is described as a picture-perfect town. It is surrounded by nature. It has mountains. It's very, like, if you look up the pictures of Revelstoke, it is gorgeous. It's very picturesque, postcard type of town. It was actually named by National Geographic as a must-do trip on its ultimate adventure bucket list. And while I was unable to find the population of Revelstoke in 1998 when Brienne went missing, I was able to find the population in 2016, which was about 7,500 people at the time. Now, growing up, Brienne lived with both of her parents, who were named Cheryl and Cliff Walgram, as well as her two older brothers, Troy and Todd. And at the time of her disappearance, Troy and Todd had graduated, they have moved out of the home, so it really just was Brienne and her two parents living at the home at the time. Now, all in all, Brienne was described as your typical teenager. She liked to hang out with her friends, she played sports in high school, she went out to parties occasionally, 
occasionally. And while she did drink a little bit, she never got into any drugs. And she had dreams of going to college, getting married, and settling down. She did not have a boyfriend at the time of her disappearance. However, she did have a couple crushes at the time, a couple boys that she set her sights on in typical teenage fashion. I feel like that's very common. And even though she had multiple people that she did like, there wasn't one in particular that was at the front of the line or the top frontier of them. So Brienne was very single at the time of her disappearance. So let's talk about Friday, September 4th, 1998, which was the day before Brienne's disappearance. On this day, Brienne had worked the late shift at the McDonald's that she worked at, and after she got off of work, she was said to have gone out with some of her friends and just had a chill hangout night with them. Now, the following day on the 5th, Brienne went to her scheduled shift at the gas station, which was a 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. shift. However, Brienne's co-workers described Brienne as being a little bit off when she came in to work that day. Brienne's co-workers said that she was not her normal self and seemed a lot quieter than usual, and at one point, she even started crying during her shift. It was never made clear what exactly caused Brienne to be so upset. No one ever said that they asked her about it and she told them anything. It was just made clear that she was upset this day. However, her mother Cheryl said, quote, she had a little cry and then she got over it, end quote. When Brienne got off of work that day, she got off, like I said, at about 7 p.m. She ended up going home and taking a nap. Now, her family was going to a barbecue this night. However, Brienne decided against the barbecue because she was extremely exhausted and wanted to go home and just kind of take a quick nap instead because she did have plans later that night. At about 9 o'clock p.m., Brienne called her best friend, which is a girl named Christy Kane, who also worked at the gas station that Brienne worked at. Brienne told Christy that she was going to pick her up from the gas station at around 11.15 p.m. when Christy finished her shift. Now, this was Labor Day weekend, so there were some parties going on this weekend, and Brienne and Christy had decided that they were going to go together. So that was their plan for the night of the 5th. Brienne was going to pick Christy up, and then they were going to go off to some parties that night. Christy had asked Brienne to pick up some wine coolers before she picked her up. That way, they would have some drinks for their night, and she had expected to be picked up when she was off of her shift. However, that never happened. Brienne never made it to the gas station to pick up Christy that night. And once she got off of work, Christy waited a little bit outside of the gas station and waited for Brienne to pick her up. She didn't know what the holdup was, but thought maybe Brienne was just running a little bit behind. However, at a certain point, Christy realized that something was wrong. Brienne would not just make Christy wait this long like this. Brienne was very responsible, she was timely, and the two of them had plans, and it was very clear what those plans were. So Christy ended up calling Brienne's house phone to ask why she wasn't there to pick her up, but Brienne's parents didn't have an answer to that. They didn't know why Brienne hadn't gone and picked Christy up yet. They were under the impression that that was the plan for the night, so they didn't really have anything to say to Christy either, which is when the panic kind of started to set in. 
Everyone who knew Brienne knew that she would not just up and disappear like this. Her mom said that this was extremely out of character for her, and for her to just completely drop off the grid was not like her at all. So they ended up filing a missing persons report for her. And once this happened, there were multiple witnesses who came forward claiming that they saw Brienne the night that she went missing. According to four different witnesses, Brienne had been seen at the local 7-Eleven. The 7-Eleven was located on Victoria Road, and Brienne was said to have been there between the times of 11 p.m. to 11.30 p.m. on the night of September 5th. Now, these witnesses said that they actually knew Brienne personally, so that's how they were so certain that they saw her that night. These witnesses also claim that when they saw Brienne, they saw her talking to three unidentified girls as well. So it was Brienne talking to three different girls, and these three girls seemed to have known each other. However, they didn't seem to have known Brienne. Once these witnesses came forward and said that they saw Brienne with these girls, they were able to come up with composite sketches of these three girls that Brienne was seen talking to. One of the girls was described as being five foot four and a little bit of a heavier build. She had shoulder length brown hair and was wearing jeans, a white t-shirt, and sandals. The second girl was described as standing at about five feet ten inches tall and she had very, very short reddish brown hair and was wearing a floral ankle length skirt with a white short sleeved shirt on top. And the last girl was described as standing at about five feet, eight inches tall. She had short, dirty blonde hair, but not as short as the second girl, an earring in her right ear, as well as a nose ring. Now, unfortunately, of course, there was no security camera footage police could use in this case to see how this interaction went down between Brienne and these girls. Which, if you think about it, security camera footage would tell you a lot about this interaction. It would tell you how these girls approached Brienne, if they had kind of seeked Brienne out and decided that they were going to go up and talk to her, or if it was just more of a spur-of-the-moment type of interaction, as well as Brienne's emotions towards all of it and how Brienne was acting. Was Brienne caught off guard? Did she seem completely fine and like she almost knew these girls? It would tell you so much about this interaction. However, of course, I feel like it's a trend. These cases typically never have security camera footage to properly show how this whole situation went down, which is really unfortunate in this case. Also, it's a 7-Eleven. You would think that they would have security camera footage. However, that is just not the case in this one. Now, one of the four witnesses that saw Brienne talking to these girls also claimed that they saw Brienne in her own car with three other passengers inside, and these passengers are suspected to be these three other girls that Brienne was speaking with at the 7-Eleven. Now, to this day, these girls have never come forward to identify themselves, and no one who saw them talking to Brienne recognized them from anywhere. And we're going to get in a little bit in a second about where these girls could have possibly come from or why they could have been in town. So just hold that thought. 
Now, about five days after Brianne's disappearance on September 10th, 1998, Brianne's black Acura Integra that had gold rims on it was found in a large ditch off of Echo Lake Road, which to give you some context, is about a 27-minute drive from Revelstoke when I looked it up on a map. When the car was found, it had minor damage because it had looked as if it had hit a tree nearby, like the right side of the car had minor damage on it, and they assume it's because it had hit a tree. Now, when investigators looked inside of the car, they were able to find Brianne's wallet, her driver's license, as well as $200 in cash. Now, outside of the car on the ground were a pack of cigars, as well as a can of Budweiser and an empty air freshener package. Inside of the car as well were a yellow and red air freshener hanging on the rear view mirror, as well as a beach towel, a pack of cigarettes, and a six pack of wine coolers. The only thing that was not found in the car was Brienne. When authorities tried to see if they could get any DNA out of the car, they said that they were unable to do so because the car had been sitting in a ditch for five days collecting dust, and when it came to the inside of the car, the detective said that it was difficult to lift fingerprints from the inside of the vehicle due to the textured surfaces. Now, you have to remember that this was in 1998, so the technology used back then was nowhere near where it is today. So they definitely didn't have the same type of tools and technology that we have now in order to collect any possible DNA evidence. Now, I want to talk about something that's a little unclear here, and that is the fact that there was a size 11 men's boot print found in the dirt close to Brianne's car when it was discovered. Now, according to the lead detective on Brianne's case, they were unable to get a cast of the boot print to determine more details about it because they said it may have only been a partial print, so there really isn't much to go off of here, but I thought it was worth noting, and it's also worth noting how frustrating it is that they're not able to do anything about the possible boot print. Again, I don't know if it's just a delay in technology or a result of lazy police work. I'm not sure which one it is. It seems like it was just kind of obstacle after obstacle when collecting DNA from this potential crime scene. Now, after Brianne's car was discovered, there was a man who came forward to authorities and claimed that he saw a teenage girl matching Brianne's description walking up Echo Lake Road on September 6th, which is the day after Brienne went missing. The man said that he said hi to the girl, however, she did not respond. So is it possible that this was Brienne and maybe Brienne was trying to walk and go get help somewhere and ended up trusting the wrong person? It's very possible. Is it possible that this was one of the other girls? Also possible. However, you would think if the three girls came together to talk to Brienne, they wouldn't just leave one behind or there wouldn't be a straggler off of them, if that makes sense. If they came together, you would think that they would go together because of that packed mentality. Brienne was kind of the only one that didn't seem to know these girls, so it would make sense if she was the one walking by herself. Okay, we're gonna take a short break, but we will be right back with more of the Killer Instinct podcast. 
Imagine an app designed to make you use it less. Seems a little counterproductive, right? Well, Apartments.com's Instant Alert feature works exactly that way. Instead of scanning rental listings a million times a day, simply set and forget your search to whatever you're looking for in a place and let Apartments.com do the rest. From pet-friendly apartments to balconies to in-unit ACs, Apartments.com's powerful search tools let you know when the perfect combination of features you're seeking is listed. So you don't have to power through rental descriptions one by one. With more rental listings than anywhere else, Apartments Apartments.com's instant alerts mean that you can spend less time looking for the perfect place and more time on just doing you. Apartments.com, the place to find a place. All right, you guys, welcome back. Now, when it came to the search for Brianne, it was really all hands on deck. There were hundreds of people searching through the woods, rivers, they used aircrafts like planes and helicopters, and there was a $20,000 reward for any information that would lead to Brianne, but nothing ended up coming of this. Now, remember a little bit earlier when I mentioned that there could have been a reason that these three girls were in Revelstoke at the time? Well, this is possibly the reason. During the weekend that Brienne went missing, there was a CP ball tournament, which if you don't know, because I was unaware, CP is the Canadian Pacific Slow Pitch Softball Tournament. And this tournament brought in a bunch of new people in to Revelstoke. This is the tourist time. It's when people who don't live in Revelstoke come into town. And that's very likely the reason to be why these women were not identified and why no one came forward claiming that they knew them. These women could have been a part of this tournament and it just came in from out of town and had been visiting Revelstoke, or maybe they were just driving through Revelstoke and stopped off at the 7-Eleven. There are so many more questions than answers when it comes to Brienne's case, and particularly when it comes to these three girls. First of all, why would Brienne leave with these girls? She didn't know them. She already had plans that night to pick up Christy and go to parties with her. So why did she ditch her plans and bring these three girls along that she'd never met before? Now, because there were wine coolers discovered in Brienne's car, it does make me believe that Brienne stopped at the 7-Eleven to pick up wine coolers with the intention of going and picking up Christy and going to those parties. Because remember, Christy had asked Brienne to pick up wine coolers before she had picked her up. That way they would have something to drink that night. So if Brienne went and picked up these wine coolers and just so happened to run into these three girls, it could be possible that Brienne had invited these three girls to come and hang out with her and Christy. However, things just went south once they left the 7-Eleven. Maybe they told Brienne that they were from out of town and looking for a fun thing to do that night and Brienne decided, you know, the more the merrier, let's bring them along and have a good time. Now, another big question here is that if we're going with the theory that these girls had something to do with Brienne's disappearance, why? What is the motive here? Why would they want to hurt Brienne? Why would they want to seek out Brienne? Now, the only motive in that situation that I could possibly think of, which I would love to hear your guys' opinion on, is sex trafficking because clearly the motive, it wasn't robbery because there were $200 left in the car. If they wanted to rob Brienne, they could have taken her car. They could have taken the $200. They could have taken everything else that was inside of the car, but that wasn't the case either. 
There were also no footprints leading away from the car, and if there were three different girls, you would think surely something of one of them would have been left behind, whether that was a footprint or maybe they just left something behind. So how did they all walk away so seamlessly. It makes me wonder if they had asked Brienne to drive them to a certain place and maybe drop them off somewhere and then Brienne kept going on her way and maybe got into an accident and maybe once she got in this accident, a man walked up to help her and it was just the wrong person at the wrong time. However, that doesn't explain why these three girls would not just come forward and say, yeah, we were the ones with her that night. This is what happened if they had nothing to do with it. I know we've seen in cases in the past where people are more afraid to come forward and claim that they were the person with the victim because of the fact that they don't want the blame to be put on them. But still, I don't know. It just, there's something weird about the three girls. I also saw someone comment on one of the articles that I read with a question that I thought was very prominent, which was, if these girls were in town for this tournament, where were they staying? Were they staying at a hotel? Were they camping somewhere? Clearly, if they went off with Brienne in her car, they probably didn't have a car. They probably didn't go there in a car. So how did they get there? Where were they staying? And why is there no record anywhere of these three girls? Which that again kind of brings in the question of sex trafficking. If these three girls were sent out to go get Brienne, and then drive her off somewhere in the middle of nowhere during the night, maybe they were being followed. Maybe these three girls were a part of a ring that was being led by a certain person, and that certain person was following them, and this was a plan for them all along. Now, another big question in this case that could possibly be related, but also is a question mark because we don't know, is what happened the night before Brienne went missing on September 4th? Why did she get so upset at work? Why was she quieter than usual? What was bothering her that day? I question this because I wonder if there's any possible connection between that and what happened to her on the night of the 5th. But again, no one has come forward and explained why she was so upset that day. I'm not sure if she just kept it completely to herself and did not want to talk about it. She didn't tell her mom, she didn't tell her friends, if she didn't tell anyone. However, it is a weird coincidence that the day she goes missing, she's a little bit quieter, she's upset, it seems like something's bothering her. And if that had absolutely nothing to do with her disappearance, it definitely could have had an effect on her mental state if she was talking to these girls and was just kind of like, you know what, I don't even want to think about things anymore. I just want to have a good time. I don't want to worry. I don't want to be upset. I'm just going to go off with these girls. They seem like a fun time. We'll go pick up Christy. It's going to be great. So you guys can let me know what you think about that as well. Now, I will say the investigation process of finding Brienne has been kept extremely under wraps. The authorities have been extremely 
extremely quiet on this case and no one really talks about why, why this investigation is being kept so tight-lipped, which I mean, it's just, it's what happens. We see this happen a lot when authorities don't come forward with a lot of information, if they're really quiet, if they seem very secretive. A lot of people believe that that is because they are trying to cover something up for someone and that is why there is little to no information released about Brienne's investigation. After over 20 years, because again, Brienne went missing in 1998, you would think that there would be more information released on her disappearance, but there really isn't. And it's not like authorities don't have any evidence. They have her car. They have four witness statements. They have composite sketches. They have a possible footprint. They have pieces of evidence that they could release and make things more clear. However, they have chosen not to do so, which ultimately just leads to more speculation from the public. And there really is two ways to look at this one. It's either A, they're hiding information or keeping this so tight-lipped because they want to protect the integrity of the investigation. We've heard this all before. However, it just makes you wonder what the deal is because they're saying that even with all of the information and evidence that they have found, they're unable to collect anything from it. They said that they haven't been able to get any DNA from the car. They haven't been able to get any DNA from outside of the car. They haven't been able to find the women. It's just this constant obstacle and it's either they're just trying to keep the integrity of the investigation and you can't really get mad at them for that because that does make sense or there's something a little bit more sinister going on here and they're trying to cover it up for a reason and what's crazy is that even though it has been two decades there has been no new information released to the public and not much has changed since the day Brienne went missing, especially five days later when her car was found. Literally, not anything has changed since the day her car was discovered. We're in the same exact boat. However, her family has never given up hope that Brienne will return. Every year on Brienne's birthday, her mother Cheryl lights a candle for her in hopes that it will help guide her home. Cheryl also keeps a background picture on her iPhone of Brienne at her senior prom, which she says is her all-time favorite picture of Brienne. Cheryl says, quote, it's almost like an alien came down and took her away, end quote, in regards to Brienne's disappearance. There is currently an Angel of Hope statue sitting in Woodenhead Park to honor Brienne. Now, the statue actually had to have a metal cage put around it because vandalizers came and broke off the angel wings and caused damage on three separate occasions. Now, when I read that, that Brienne's statue has been vandalized on three different occasions, this could be the overanalyzer in me and the overthinker in me. However, that seems very strange. It seems personal. It seems very personal that someone would go and vandalize the statue honoring Brienne's life. So it makes me wonder if authorities have ever found the person or the multiple people who were vandalizing the statue. Because why? Why would you do that? What is the point? It seems personal. It seems like a vendetta, which then leads me to wonder, did Brienne have any enemies? Anyone 
who didn't like her, anyone who was out to get her, anyone who she may have rejected and felt this certain type of anger towards her. I think in this case, there are multiple different theories. I think the first theory is that these three unidentified women had something to do with Brienne's disappearance. They not only have not come forward after 20 years, but they very well could have either led Brienne to someone who was far more dangerous than them, and these three girls were used as a trap and as a buffer because they are girls and typically people seem less threatened by girls than they do men. If three men approached her, she probably wouldn't have had the same reaction as three different girls. So did these girls lead Brienne to the wrong person or was it them entirely? You'd have three against one, so it would be somewhat easy to take over someone in that case when it's three against one. Or did Brienne just drop them off somewhere and they haven't come forward because they're afraid of being named responsible? Or are they just covering up for someone because they know what happened and they don't want the person in charge to get in trouble? Or let's say Brienne was the one seen walking on September 6th. Remember that man said that he saw a girl matching Brienne's description walking along Echo Lake? That definitely could have been Brienne and maybe she was walking to try and get help and she came across the wrong person and these three girls had nothing to do with it. I think the partial footprint is huge in this because if you figure out who that partial footprint came from, you would be able to figure out, hopefully, if it was just someone walking by or if it was someone who was more connected. At least it would give you an idea of who this person was, but because they say that they can't figure out exactly who it was, it seems to be no help at this point. Now, we're at the end of the case, and I told you in the beginning that it's frustrating because you come up with more theories than you have facts in this one. Your mind just races because you think of all these different things that could possibly happen because there's not a lot of information out there. So I am super curious to hear what you guys have to say about this one, so please let me know. You can email me at killerinstinctpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that is just killerinstinctpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of Killer Instinct. Make sure you go ahead and subscribe. That way you never miss an episode. And if you are new here, hi, my name is Savannah. I'm your host of Killer Instinct. We post weekly episodes every single Wednesday and you are not going to want to miss it. So go ahead and hit that subscribe button. I will see you next week for a brand new case. And until then, Stay safe, guys. Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for.